Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. Is it sunny and uh, warm in Ohio? It is gorgeous today. We need to roll through this so I can go ride some horses. <laughs> I know, I know. I figured, I figured it would. I figured it would. Well, I, I, I think as we enter summer... It's getting warmer, and you know this is a time of year where horses tend to drink more. And today, talking about how to get horses to drink or encourage horses to drink, I think may be on some people's minds. So I think this is a great topic that that we decided to talk about today. Yeah, very weather appropriate. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, isn't it? When we think about this topic, it's not, you know, oh, it's getting hotter, so we want our horses to drink more. I mean, naturally, they will as long as it's in front of them. But this this is more complicated, right? Like, like there's certain conditions where a horse will just stop drinking when they normally should be, right? Sure. If we think about the important stuff in a horse's diet, and we, we talk about all sorts of like nitty gritty little details, uh, trace minerals, vitamins, whatever big picture, water is the most important thing. Just like people, horses can go and people can go short term to even medium term with like deficiencies and different stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you do not have water, that very quickly becomes a very bad situation. Um, So in terms of just general horse keeping, this focus on water is something that should be super high on your list. And it's the most basic thing. But there are some intricacies involved in it, especially when you have horses that are maybe a little bit picky, things like that, that we can kind of help dive into a bit. Right, right. I mean, yeah, that's why I've I've always said, you know, we think of nutrients, oh, proteins and fats and fiber and like you said, trace minerals and all that. People don't think about water and, and, and the whole system shuts down without water. I mean, our whole body would shut down. So what are some of the other things that happen if a horse doesn't get enough water every day? So like it- your super low level issue would be like a little bit of dehydration that might, for example, impact performance. So like they're just not not performing quite to the level that you feel that they should be. From there, as it gets more significant, then you can have some electrolyte imbalances. Um, a lot of times those aren't readily apparent, um, although there is a condition called thumps, where basically they have this flutter that you see on their side that can actually be caused by an electrolyte imbalance. And then, like we kind of talked about, the more extreme level of that is you start to have organ failure and then ultimately death from dehydration. I would say the majority of the time, right, we're going to catch that much earlier in this process, uh, but it is certainly a concern if horses, for multiple different reasons, aren't drinking longer term and experience that more significant dehydration. No, absolutely, yeah. Those are those are just some things that you should be concerned about. I I, I guess to to start it off, you know, because we can't watch our horses twenty four seven. We we're busy and we got other things going on at the barn. How do you tell if a horse is dehydrated? Like, what are some of the things? Because I know this is changing a little bit with the latest research that came out a few years ago. Yeah, so a couple different ways you could look at this. One would be monitoring intake. So on average, a horse is going to drink 8 to 12 gallons per day. As they're working harder, if heat and humidity, they can they can drink up 
to excess of 20 gallons per day. So having a general understanding of what is normal for your horse and then tracking those changes can be helpful. If you're using just regular buckets, that's easy. A little more difficult if they're in a herd situation where there's multiple horses consuming water from a single source or you have automatic waters that don't have water meters on them. So in those situations, you actually have to look at the horse itself. Kind of the the standard one like you would learn in 4-H or Pony Club or whatever would be the skin tint test. So essentially on their neck, you pinch their skin and a horse should return to normal. So that little tent shouldn't stay there more than one or two seconds. A horse who has it stay for more than one or two seconds in kind of that little pinched tent could be dehydrated. One thing we do know is that horses, if they have a slow response, that's a good indicator that they are dehydrated. However, horses can have a normal skin tent response. So have pliable skin, but still be dehydrated. So it's, it's helpful, um, but it's not a be all end all test. Think about some of the other things that, you know, if, if your vet came out, they'd be evaluating. You can learn what's normal for your horse. So things like capillary refill time. So their gum should be pink and moist. And if you press your thumb, it becomes light. And that should return in one to two seconds. Uh, So the color of those mucous membranes, if they're like really dry looking and dark, like almost a purplish color, that's an indication you have issues. We can look at their urine. Um, If it's Darker, that can be an indicator of dehydration, although there are some other things that might cause that. Like if they had tied up, they would have darker urine. Um, And then other, like knowing they're normal, resting heart rate, their respiratory rate, just how they're acting. Are they lethargic, acting a little bit odd? One thing to keep in mind, though, is dehydration is not the only thing that would cause some abnormal readings there. So it could be a horse is dehydrated. It could be that they're colicking. It could be they're sick for some other reason. So it's kind of a total picture type thing. Um, It can be difficult just on those visuals alone. You know something's wrong. You can't automatically assume that it's because of just a functional dehydration versus something else. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and then always talk to your veterinarian uh, when you do notice those abnormalities and, and you're concerned. It, it, I, I, I like the, the thing too, the technology that we're getting is we do get some of these water meters now and you're able to monitor it. Just going back to, to your five gallon bucket in the stall and, and monitoring water intake, uh, you know, is, a, is always a good indicator. You know, are they drinking? And if it's still full after you filled it in the morning, then then you know they're not drinking. So that opens up into really the the meat and potatoes of this this topic, Nicole. How do we get them to drink? It's 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 just like how do you? We all know this. When when a horse doesn't want to do something, it, it's very difficult to make them want to do it. So how do you get them to drink? What are some of the things that we can do to get yes. them interested? Yeah. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't <laughs> exactly make it drink. It's so true. So I think about this in two levels. Level number one, did a horse just like randomly stop drinking? That's concerning. Did multiple horses randomly stop drinking? Extra concerning. So we kind of start on that level. Is their water source clean? 
is it quality? So for example, I've run into some interesting situations where we did some testing of their well water and there had been changes such that it was much less palatable to the horses. Do you have issues like stray voltage? That's means your water is available. And for some reason that there's this, an electrical spark that we can't feel, but they can, that's causing them not to drink. So that's one type of horses not drinking. And particularly if you have multiple horses not drinking, there are those things that you need to rule out. Water quality, water access, all of those. Now you're kind of speaking towards the horse who's pickier. So maybe we've established that all things are normal. Water quality is good. Access is good. This doesn't usually show up at home. More typically, this is an issue that shows up on the road, um, but there are some horses who maybe don't drink as much as we'd like at home. So then we can start thinking about things that we know drive water intake. So one that's more typically a discussion in the winter would be the temperature of the water. So horses don't like really, really cold water. So having, you know, warm water is something that drives intake. Then we can also think about things that make the water more palatable. So you have different flavorings. Uh, Some people use things like Gatorade or um, like uh, powder concentrate that actually make the water flavored. That's particularly helpful in the horse who drinks okay at home, but doesn't like other water sources because you can train them to like that flavor. And then it masks the taste of other flavors when you're on the road. We could also think about things like adding water to their concentrate, like making a mash. Uh, That doesn't always increase intake. It it makes us feel better, but some horses actually decrease their fluid water consumption when we add it. So it's just something you'd want to keep in mind and kind of Mm -hmm. monitor. Mm -hmm. Along those lines, part of what drives water intake is fiber intake. So Something you will notice that's super common is that when horses shift from a dry hay diet to lush pasture, their water intake goes down and you might go, oh my God, they're all drinking less. That's because there's so much more water content in the forage because the grass has Mm -hmm. lots of water where hay does not. So that is one thing to think about. Um, And then, you know, there's a discussion around electrolytes, for example, that would be a common one. So you can add electrolytes either to their feed or their water. If we're adding it to water, same thing with flavoring. You should never just do that. You should have a clean version and then your adulterated version, if you will. Electrolytes can help drive water intake. One would just be flavor, right? A lot of them come in fun flavors and maybe the flavor itself that encourages a horse to drink. If we're thinking more about putting it in the feed, it's specifically the sodium and those electrolytes. And you need to be aware that not electrolytes should be salt-based. Not all of them are. So you could add electrolytes that are not properly balanced. They won't help. But sodium actually drives that thirst mechanism in horses. So you could use an actual horse electrolyte. Honestly, most of the time I use just plain salt. Yeah. Uh, one to two tablespoons per day is generally appropriate unless it's super hot. So that's actually going to drive their thirst mechanism, which will encourage them to drink more water. Now, one of the, the, the things I, I ran across and I was thinking, okay, well, you know, I just want to get your opinion on this, you know, wetting your feed, you know, making a mash. I, I don't imagine that's going to give you that much more water intake 
or soaking your hay because we know when we soak hay, and I think this is a topic we're going to address in the future, it, we lose nutrients, right? Don't we? Like, like, don't we, some of those nutrients get leached out? Mm, Yeah, no, that's a great thing to bring up. And we'll definitely talk about it in more detail. Yeah, you do lose some dry matter and some minerals when you soak hay along with sugar, which is normally why people are soaking their hay is to lose sugar. The amount of actual water that's added, you're right, is pretty darn minimal um, because it kind of drips off and then it dries. It doesn't stay in the hay kind of the way that grass has water intrinsically in its cells. Same thing again with adding water to your concentrate. It, it definitely makes us feel better. Um, I think it's honestly more important horse preference. Some mm-hmm. horses love kind of soaked soupy stuff. Some do not like that at all and won't right. touch it. Um, and then just coming at it from like a dentition standpoint. So I think horses who are prone to choke, don't have great teeth, things like that, soaking and adding water to their concentrate to their grain can be helpful mm-hmm. but you're right it, it mostly makes us feel like we're doing something it doesn't yeah, actually yeah. add a whole lot <laughs> think about this yeah. a horse minimum average size horse we're going to say 10 gallons a, get, a day two of those five gallon yeah. buckets yeah. how much water are you putting in your grain to actually <laughs> make a dent <laughs> not, in that? E- not barely any uh right no. they they won't even touch it at that point um so yeah from that standpoint now Something that you can do is kind of make um, horse tea. And I've seen Mm. multiple things. A lot of times dropping a handful of like super delicious grain into that five gallon bucket of water naturally flavors it. So horse tea, that's kind of where Mm. the idea Mm. comes from or a, a few alfalfa pellets in the bottom, whatever that might be able to drive water intake just based on flavor but that's that's a tiny bit of grain and a whole lot of water and like the whole function of it is for flavoring um, because you'd have a breakdown of all of, you know, your water soluble vitamins, all of those things. So from a nutritional standpoint, it's doing nothing, but if it gets them to drink more, it can be advantageous yeah. from that standpoint. So that'd be a more natural way to flavor their water versus like the Gatorade or, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, there are actual like flavorings sold that are, specifically for this function or you have um like the horse quencher type products which are Mm -hmm. kind of along the idea of making your own kind of tea for horses to drink but all of those would fall under that flavoring category but what you add to your hay or grain pretty minimal in the grand scheme of their total need yeah, I ran across some of that, and I, I was like, okay, you know, a few <laughs> a few tablespoons of water, sure, okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. more than that, but yeah, you get the, you get the point. Oh, one other concern before you know, we can go to final tips. You, you mentioned well water changing, water testing. You know, if if owners have a natural water source, you know, do you advocate water testing? How often and where? Mm, okay, fantastic question. Uh, let's start with the term natural water source. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, one thing, you don't see it that often, but it does still happen that, for example, when horses are out, unless they're like way out west on like the range, a lot of times ponds or springs or streams they may not be appropriate water sources for horses, particularly in the summer. Um, if you have nitrate runoff uh, from fertilizer from people's lawns or surrounding fields, it's prone to 
growing blue-green algae. And that blue-green algae can be very toxic in relatively small quantities. So from that standpoint, a lot of natural water sources are not really high-quality water sources for horses, and they'll either voluntarily decrease their intake or they will drink it and have issues because it just may not be as clean a source as possible. So that is one thing to think about. Thinking about well water, generally speaking, um, I, I don't necessarily recommend you know a regular testing protocol. More typically, when I've gone in and had testing done, it's because there is some sort of problem. So I'll tell you a really interesting one. I worked with a barn that just had some chronic diarrhea issues. It wasn't in every horse. And that makes sense because some horses have a more robust microbial ecology in their hindgut. So not every horse had this issue, but enough of them, and they tended to be older ones. And when we did some testing, and this testing was done through like the local water testing municipality, really, really high in bacteria in their water. So E. coli, Mm. fecal coliforms. And not every horse was impacted because most of them had robust enough of a microbial population that they were able to withstand that, but some did not. So that'd be an interesting example of water quality. It wasn't impacting their intake, but it was impacting their health. The other thing you do see, like particularly if horses aren't drinking as much as they should be across the board, so you have multiple horses, it could be something like, total dissolved solids being really high, um, or sometimes sulfates because it creates not great smells. Um, Mm -hmm. so that affects palatability. So more typically, um, generally we would find a lab that's in your area. There are some commercial labs that routinely offer water testing. These generally tend to be more marketed towards humans, but they can run all the tests that we need for equines as well. Or, really your livestock type labs. So the same test you would run for cattle would be what we would be interested for horses as well. So kind of those are two different sources. Um, I don't have a lab off the top of my head, but they're something that we can readily find usually in your region. Typically, like I said, you don't have to run out and do it just because you have a well, but things change in wells over time, the age of the well, also your water table. So like if it it rained an extreme amount that can kind of push some things into your well that wouldn't normally be there. Um, So typically that's more of a troubleshooting type situation than something that we're doing on a routine basis, but it never hurts. No, that, that, no, it, it, it is interesting when you think about it and you know, I'd be curious to see how many owners actually do use natural water sources. And like you said, it wouldn't be okay for a horse, but I guarantee you, if if I put, you know, water out there, they're going to go drink from the stream or the pond all the time, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. No, they will do those things, but you know, you always want to make sure you have that fresh, fresh clean fresh, source clean water. of water. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why you want them. Uh, and then we, and then some of these tips that you've given, encourage them to drink that one and not the, the natural <laughs> water source. Yes. Yes. A- any final tips? You know, my biggest tip would be know your horse is normal so that you can identify when there are those changes. And then if you have a horse who is picky about drinking water. One thing I always do when I'm going on the road, just in general, I fill up a couple of those like big plastic jugs with water. So just in case I like hit a traffic jam or something crazy or blow a tire, that's totally happened. I have water 
available right then. Um, But it also could allow you to, when you get to a new place, mix your water if you have to. So some half and half for the picky horse. But if you've identified that horse who doesn't like other sources of water, do your experimentation at home, figure out what they like, and then keep it consistent when you go on the road. Once you're already gone, that's not the time to try to figure out what will make them drink. No, that just made me thinking. I just uh, all those times in Texas and Florida and South Carolina during hurricane evacuations and and people trailering their mm-hmm. horses always mm-hmm. bring water with you because I remember all of those long gridlock freeways. Oh, and and those poor horses. So yeah, and and it's hot and humid and and they need to drink right. All good tips. All good tips. Well, we'll leave it from there, Nicole. Thank you so much. I. If any of you have any topics that you're really itching for us to get to, you know, please drop us a line. There's always the contact us link in the show notes, or you can follow us on Facebook and leave some comments on each episode. Say, hey, you know, I'd really love an episode on that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely add it to our list of ideas uh, for future episodes. But thank you so much for listening and sharing, you know, sharing this podcast. Uh, our numbers have definitely grown. So we appreciate it so much. And I look forward to chatting with you next week, Nicole. Thank you, Chris.